All right, so before I start, my wife this morning gave me a thing of Tic Tac, said you're gonna be talking to people, so is my breath okay? <laughs> and then she always tells me, make sure your eyebrows are flat, because I got these big old bushy eyebrows, so are my eyebrows okay? <laughs> Shane, am I good? All right, so here we go. So Tim is really good at having his message pre-done and having it three months ahead of time and having all the slides up, and I'm just not that cool. So I'm going old school on you guys today. Here's my message. How many of you guys have preached in a message like that? Yeah, so yellow is the points, pink are the verses, so I don't get confused as we go. And um, I want to make sure you understand today. So this is a two-part thing. Normally, I would preach a message and have you know your introduction, your transition, your conclusion, all the things they teach you in Bible school. But my message is actually next week. So if you ever wanted to come to church and take a nap, this is, this is the week. I'm going to spend today giving you the foundation and the premise for next week. So if you had other plans for next week, just cancel them now. Make sure you're here because next week will be the conclusion of this thing. So today is not my message. Foundations for the message. But if you've ever built a house or anything, if you want it to last, you have to have a good foundation, right? You can ask Willis. You've got to have a good foundation or the thing just won't work right. Well, in Christianity, we're like that too. We, uh, we operate and live our lives under a, an umbrella of what we call theology. Most of us don't think of it that way, but that's what it is. And if you don't have a good foundation for your theology, your theology will just crumble. Your theology won't hold up to scrutiny. It won't hold up to trials. It won't hold up to a lot of what's about to come in our world. So today I want to lay a foundation um, of a theology that we're going to finish next week. And the point today is, my, my main thing, is truth versus lies. Like Jeff was talking today, he said, you see the believe bumper sticker? Well, what do you believe in? I've taught my home group for a long time. We're not doing it right now. But I've told them over and over again, if you tell anybody you believe what you believe because Bob said it, I'll just quit. You need to know what you believe, and you need to know why you believe it. And I think that the, the things coming in the world now and the things that are coming in the near future is going to be critical and crucial for you to know why you believe what you believe, because most of what we believe is being challenged. It's, it's, it's been challenged in the past. It's really being challenged now. And I think in the future, it's going to get even worse. And I've got some, some things I'll show you. So the foundation is truth versus lies. And I'm going to put it into two different realms. There's the, there's the lies that the world has. But I kind of expect those, because God told us in the Bible those are coming. But then there's the lies that are working their way into the church. And I'm not OK with those. Okay, the ones that are in the world, you almost expect it. And you see them coming in, your, your mind just is baffled by how can anyone believe something so stupid. But God told us that the world is going to get dumber as it got older. It's not a surprise. If you pay attention to the word, it's in there. So don't be shocked by the fact that the world is getting darker. Like Stacy said, it's getting dumber, it's getting darker, it's getting depressing. But don't be surprised by that. And don't be shaken by that as a Christian. God already told us that was coming. On this side, in the church, though, it's different. So God warned us about false teachings. God warned us about untruths coming into the church. That's kind of where I get more upset. The world can do what they want to do, but inside the church, it needs to be different. And when I say church, I don't mean the building. I mean individuals, each one of us. Um, I, I told my home group that it's almost like a guy that comes into your house, and he's got his little puppy. And the puppy has an accident on the floor. Well, you're not real happy about it, but it's a puppy, and puppies do what puppies do. But if you walk in my house and have an accident on my floor, <laughs> we're going to have a whole different conversation. So the world is like the puppy. The world's going to do what the world does. 
But we can't be like that. It's different. God's called us to be different. God's called us to be truth. God's called us to be light. God's called us to be salt. God's called us to be the ambassadors of Christ to the world. And we can't do that if we can't separate truth from lies. Okay, so that's what, so you can go home now if you want. That's pretty much the whole message. That's, that's the foundation. So let's get into that. And I'm going to go old school on you guys. I, I wasn't as cool as Tim. I don't have it all up there. Um, so I'm actually going to read out of the Bible. And, and anyone that knows me knows that I'm a book guy. I'm a Bible guy. If it's in the Bible, I feel that we should be bound to it. It's not optional. If it's not in the Bible, well, then we can talk and we can negotiate or we can work things out. But anything that's in the Bible, I'm really old school. All you guys that know me, anyone that's been in an elders meeting with me or been in, in my home group, I'm a book guy. If it's in there, we need to be bound to it. It's not a suggestion. Okay, so let me read some verses to you. Got to get my glasses out here because not only am I old school, I'm just old. So here we go. This is going to mess up my eyebrows now. All right, so you all know John 14, 6. Jesus, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So we're going to base this on two words. Truth, and what's the other one? Nope. Nope. The. There is, there is a truth, and there was the, the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You're going to hear in the world that there's a million ways to heaven. Has anyone heard that yet, or am I surprising you? Watch any talk show host, watch any athlete, there's a million ways to heaven. But God says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's just really one. So let's go from there. If you want to follow along with me, since I don't have them up there, we're going to start at John 8.44. And I actually put little tabs on my Bible so I can find them quick. John 8.44. Sorry, Shane. I hope that wasn't expensive. John 8.44, where is it? Here it is. So to outline the world's philosophy, the world's premise, what they believe, I'm going to read some verses out of the Bible because the world won't admit what the world is. They can't do that. Because if the world admitted what the world was, it'd have to change. See the, the, the circular reasoning of it? But God told us what the world is so that we wouldn't be surprised. Here's a pop quiz. There'll be prizes at the door. Does anybody remember the last time I spoke here, what I spoke on? Anybody? Yeah, I figured. It was be prepared or be aware and be prepared. Remember? So here's God making sure that we're aware of what's coming so that we can be prepared for it. There's no reason as Christians that we should be surprised by anything going on around us. So here's where God's starting to make us aware. John um, 8.44 says... You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Wherever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So that's where we start off, that, this, that Satan is a, a liar and the father of lies. Whatever he speaks is a lie. So we, there's our starting point. Then we go on to 1 John 5.19. Pages are falling out of my Bible. 1 John 5.19. That one says, We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So, here, so this is kind of bad news, right? First it says that the evil one is a liar, 
and the father of lies, now it says that the whole world is in his control, it's in his power. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the son of God has come and he has given us understanding. That's what we're talking about here for truth. Truth and understanding. God's given us that. We shouldn't be surprised and we shouldn't be so easily deceived by what we see. God has given us truth and understanding in order what? In order that we might know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God in eternal life. Okay, so God is the truth. God's given us wisdom. He's given us discernment. He's given us understanding so that we can know him who is true. Why do you think the world has such a hard time coming to know God? They don't have any insight into the understanding, just like all of us were before we were saved. We didn't have the right language. We didn't have the right vocabulary. You don't know how to understand God unless God gives that to you. So the world looks at it and there's all the smart people, right? I feel sometimes like sending a letter to my kid's university asking for my tuition money back. You got the smart people that are, that are so smart they can't see, they can't understand the basic things of the world. That's how smart they are. So God has given us understanding. And the last one, um, Romans 1.18. See, this is good. This helps me remember how to get through all my Bible pages here. Romans 1.18. Let's see. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. That's what we're seeing around us. Not only is Satan a liar and the father of lies, but listen to what it says about men. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. So not only are we not hearing the truth, the truth is being suppressed all around us. It's incumbent on us as Christians to understand the truth, to dig for it, and to know what it is. If we will understand the truth, believe the truth, live by the truth, be bound by the truth, then the gates of hell won't prevail against us. We'll be the kind of church that the world hasn't seen since, since the days of Acts. Those people knew the truth, they believed the truth, they bought into the truth, they were bound to the truth, the truth affected their lifestyles. It wasn't just a mental thing. And the gates of hell can't prevail against truth like that. So there is, there's the one side of it. Any amens to that? All right, so now we have, we have um, what the world sees, which, which should not be unexpected to us. It's inevitable. So if you, if you turn on the TV and you see something dumb, don't be surprised. That's kind of inevitable. And, and it's not just me saying it, remember? If you believe it because Bob said it, then I'll quit. It's right here in the Word. I just read you three passages that clearly talk about that. Now let's go on to the church. This is where it gets more scary for me. Um, Matthew 24. Matthew 24, this is a long one, 4 through 14. And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. There's lies. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you are not frightened. For those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then they will deliver you to tribulation. And they will kill you. And, they will, and you will be hated by all nations on account of my name. And at that, at that time many will fall away and will deliver up one another and hate one another. 
And many false prophets will arise and they will mislead many. So if, God, if Jesus took the time to, to preach this and tell us many false teachers are going to come, many false prophets are going to come, and they're going to mislead many, this is a stumbling block we need to be careful about. If God's going out of his way to tell us this is on his way, it's coming, we need to not ignore that. We need to pay attention to that. And it's not just the few. It's the many. So when you look around and you see where we are here, we're kind of the few. The many are being deceived. And it's okay in the world. You expect it. But he's talking about false prophets. These are probably people that were religious people. These are people that might be in the church who, well, I'll get into it next week. I'll get into some specifics next week. But these false prophets are going to mislead many. And because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end shall be saved. So have you seen any of that come true? Is, is it just me or are you guys seeing it? Are you seeing lies creep into the church? Are you seeing lawlessness, unrighteousness? Are you seeing the love of many grow cold? I see it all around, and I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm not happy about it, but I'm okay with it being out there in the world. I am just not okay with it being in the church. And that's what I want to preach on next week, is how we see that in the church, how we identify it, how we root it out, how we get rid of it, and how we, we bind ourselves to the absolute truth. Not the A truth, the the truth. If each one of us, not as a group here, but if each one of us will individually bind ourselves to the truth, we will be strong. We'll, 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 we'll be a passionate group of people. The world may, might not have seen much of that. I remember um, when I was working the youth group here, I had a mentoring group. So every Sunday after church, we'd go to one of the kids' houses, and I was teaching them how to cook. We'd all cook something really cool, and then we would, we would talk. And I'm not going to mention names or specifics because one of the deals I made with the kids was whatever happens at that mentoring group stays there. But these were DCC kids. These were kids that were giving up their afternoon to come be mentored. These were kids that were like our leadership kids. And I asked them, how many of you are absolutely certain that you're saved? Only two of them raised their hand out of a group of 12 or 13 kids. How many of you know that you know that God is real? Well, I want to believe. And I got down to ask them, why is this so hard for you? Well, we just don't see it, was the answer. You know, they're a very empirical group in high school. They, they want to see things, touch things, feel things. They want proof. And they said they didn't see it. It just it broke my heart that how we as a godly nation, we as a godly group of people, we as a church here, we've let this generation down. The, the, these are some of our best kids, and they told me we, we just don't see it. You know, shame on us. As, as our, we're losing that generation to this kind of stuff. We're losing this next generation behind us to these untruths, to these lies, to the deceptions. So next week, I want to get into how we, as this generation, can start to save that next generation and then one after that. So make sure you come next week. Anyway, that was Matthew 24. 2 Timothy chapter 4, way in the back. 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. Let me see here. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. They will turn away, for, they will turn away their ears from the truth and will, abide, and, and, will, and will turn aside to myths. Do you see any of that happening today? Forget the, forget the TV show, forget the talk shows. Turn on... Christian TV or religious TV, just listen for two, three minutes and you'll start to hear a lot of this stuff. 
Um, people will accumulate teachers that will tickle their ears, tell them what they want to hear so they can feel good when they walk out there, and, and there will be no truth. The truth will just fade away and die. That's, that's the best plan. If you're a liar, the best lies are based on truth, right? Best, some of you heard my testimony of how I came out of the Mormon church with that, that apple. The best lies are based in truth, and that's what we're seeing, and we shouldn't be surprised. God told us that that's what's going to happen. It's right here. They'll accumulate teachers from themselves, tell them what they want to hear, tickle their ears, and they'll walk out and they'll feel satisfied. Don't be surprised when you see it. And then, um, gosh, another immutable truth is that I will always prepare more than I have time for. So... I need to, I'm going to pare some of this down because that is a fact in my life. So I'll skip one. The last one I wanted to go to that I think we need to hear is 1 John 4. 1 John 4, 1 through 5. Now let's start to deal with some of the truths. And this is a direct warning from God. This is a key verse. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. You are from God, little children. Remember we read some bad news earlier that Satan is a liar and the father of lies, and the world lies in the power of the evil one? But here's some good news. You are from God, little children. And you have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So we don't have to fear that bad news. I wanted to make sure you heard that. Satan is a liar, the father of lies. Remember the Garden of Eden. Right from the start, he lied. Revelation tells us that the end, he's going to be lying. And all through history, he's lying. And we, unfortunately, this world is in his power. But the good news for us is we've been taken out of this world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. You can't be included in this. They speak lies, they speak from the world, and it says the world listens to them. Believers, we can't listen to that. We can't listen to the lies. We can't listen to the watered-down truths. We can't listen to the, the, the other gospel. Remember, if you, preach a go if you preach any gospel other than this gospel, let you be accursed. There's a lot of other gospels out there now, and um, we're losing ground to those. You can't listen to those. They're from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We're from God. He who knows God <clears throat> listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know, here it is, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So there's a spirit of truth and a spirit of error, and they become entwined, they become entangled with each other, and we as Christians have to learn, to, we have to get some spiritual discernment. We have to learn what is the truth, not just a truth, not a partial truth. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Remember that? I've never been to court, so I'm, I'm not familiar with that one. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. That's God's kind of truth. Um, so, so that's where we'll go next week. We'll get into what is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. But for now, I want to skip ahead a little bit. If I didn't break this, I'll see if it works. 
Oh, so Shane made this really cool. I didn't have an introduction slide for this little presentation. So Shane made that up. I think it's pretty cool. So the first time I spoke here was about my Kilimanjaro trip. I was up in the mountains. Next time I spoke about another hiking trip we did. And um, now I'm going to talk a little bit more about I, I can't come to church and not talk about mountains or hiking. It's just I, I can't get by it. So there's three buttons on here. I'm going to push the middle one and see what happens. Nothing. Which one do I press? To that one? That's kind of tricky. Oh, there we go. Okay, so I got to get you into the mountains before the fourth service is done. So Al and I, you all know Al, Al Christman, he's my hiking buddy. Al and I decided we were going to go up on a snow hike and test out our spikes. So we're getting up there, and you've ever heard sometimes, have you ever prayed, God, show me a sign? Have you ever prayed that? All right, so there's the sign. <laughs> Avalanche danger. I ignored that sign because I hadn't been praying for a sign that day. So we get up a little bit higher, and, and our Olympics are beautiful. If you've never gone up to Hurricane Ridge in the snow time, you need to get up there. It's one of the best reasons to live here. So we get up there, and then here are some other signs. That's three pictures, if you can see. The one on the far left says something. It says, roof avalanches stay back. <laughs> then the second one kind of shows the roof avalanche kind of happening. And the third one, the roof is clear, and all the snow is down on the ground. That's a different kind of sign. I saw the first sign, drove by it, ah, it's not for me. I drove by this one, thinking, oh, that's not for me. It's just, that's for someone else. So we start hiking. We're, we're going to hike up to the top of this little hill. And there's Al and me, and not, not me, I'm taking the picture. There's Al and my other two hiking buddies. So we're going to hike up to the top of that little hill right there. So we get up there, we're looking down. Oh, that's kind of cool. Let's keep going. So we, let's go to the, that far hill over there. That's a little trail called the Sunrise Trail, I think. So we're hiking out in the Sunrise Trail. And it's a beautiful day, and it's all warm and sunny, and the snow's out. And Al takes a step and sinks into something up to his waist. And we thought, OK, let's turn around. So we get out there, we get Al, get, get him out of the hole, start walking back. Uh-oh, there we go. So that's the trail heading back. Down on the very far right is where we started, heading back on the trail. And now you can see kind of down there, can you see where the cars are? So that's where our car is, and we're at the top of this hill. And, I'm, and so there it is. I'm thinking to myself, why walk when you can slide? God created us, right? God knows all of our parts. God gave us a rear end to slide on. So, so we're up at the top of that hill, and you can't really see it here, but on the far left, there's a, there's a trail there where someone has sat in the snow and slid down before us. Um, I've taken classes at the Mountaineers on Mount Rainier how to do it. It's called glissade. Have you ever heard that term? And you usually have a helmet and an ice axe and good clothes on, and you're ready to go. And so you sit in the track, and you dig your ice axe, and if you're going too fast. Well, I didn't have my ice axe that day, but it didn't matter. I had my trekking poles, which are just as good. Not really, but I, I had them there. So we're up at the top of the hill, and um, I'm thinking, OK, let's just slide down. And there's a, there's a French word, glissade. And I looked it up, and it roughly translated to English. It means careening down a hill out of control towards your death. So, <laughs> That's, that's what we were going to do. We we're going to go glissading. So Al says, let's test it. I didn't fully understand what he said. He said, let's test it. How many of you, raise your hand, how many of you have ever been to Disneyland? How many of you have been on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride? 
How many of you remember that part where you're in the boat and you're in the dark tunnel and this voice comes up and it says, properly warned be ye, says I, these be the last friendly words you'll hear. You may not survive to pass this way again. Well, that's what I was thinking, but that's not what he said. <laughs> Al said, let's test it. To which I replied, I'll see you at the bottom. So I jump in this trough and for what's about to happen, I squarely and wholly blame Al. So he was saying, let's test it, but he was thinking, you're gonna die. And see that little smile? I call that the, that's the Al smile. I've hiked with Al all over the place and generally when he gets that smile, usually shortly after that, I either fall into something, I fall off of something, something hits me, that smile usually triggers it. So we're there, let's see here, where are we? So Al had his camera going, and he took a video of us going down the hill. There we go. So this was the video of me going down that hill. All right, so Al had the video going, so we got some footage of me coming down the hill. And I don't know if you guys in the back can tell, I don't know if you can see well enough, but I'm not a really small guy. I don't know if you can tell that from where you're sitting, I'm kind of a big guy. And I've taken these classes on how to sled like this, how to slide down, and generally what you have to do is you sit down in the little trough, and you've got spikes on your feet, and we had our spikes on. You sit down the trough, you get ready, you kind of look down, they always tell you make sure there's a good landing spot, make sure there's nothing in the way you're gonna die on, and then you pick up your spikes and you kind of get going. Well, the skinny guys like Al, they always kind of float on the snow, and they go down, and they sing Austrian songs, and they yodel, and they get to the bottom, and they don't get sweaty or dirty or bloody, or they just they have fun. Well, big guys kind of go down like the heffalumps and woozles, and we, we kind of get stuck, and you go a little bit and you get stuck, and then you go a little bit further, you get stuck again, and you're looking, hoping no one's seeing you, and you're pushing with your ice axe. So I have to do that, because I'm, I'm not the little guy. So what I do is I get in the sled, I put my, get my spikes in, get my ice axe ready, and I push myself off, and I kind of roll myself down these hills. So that's what I'm expecting. So I get in this trough, lift up my spikes, and the next thing I know, I'm going about 60 miles an hour. Al said it looked like I was shot out of a gun. And I went flying down this hill. I'm not used to that, because I'm not the little guy. Well, my phone looks at me and said, I'm not going with you, you idiot. My phone falls out of my pocket. My hat comes off. My glasses come off. I'm getting airborne on the bumps now, and I'm flying down the hill, and I don't have my ice axe to stop. So I've got my, my trekking poles already, right? So I dig my trekking poles in. Ping, ping, they both go flying up the hill. <laughs> so I'm coming down the hill with no way to stop. And some of my training at that point kicked in. It should have kicked in when Al said, let's test it. <laughs> <laughs> I 
but my train is kicking in halfway down, and I know that if I go too far to the right, I'm gonna hit a tree and probably die and get a fine from the park department. And if I miss the tree somehow, I'm gonna go off the cliff and die and probably get a fine from the parks department. But if I go to the left, I, I can kind of be okay. So what I do was, I remembered one of the first rules is never ever plant your feet down because you've got spikes on, right? If you're going 60 miles an hour and you plant your spikes in the ground, you're gonna flip over and face plant right in the thing and then it gets ugly. And God didn't create a face like this to be wrecked in the snow. So I'm trying, I'm trying to protect my assets here. Kept my feet up, thought, okay, I know how I can stop before I hit the cars at the bottom. So I rolled over and dug my toes in so I'd stop. So I get going down there, get to the bottom. My heart starts again, start breathing again. And you know if you've ever fallen off something, you do that thing where are my hands working, are my feet working, have any of you ever done that? You must not fall as much as I do because I'm always taking inventories, is everything working? So everything's working and I hear this little kind of a funny noise. I'm sitting there kind of half stunned I looked to the right of me and my phone slid right next to me and stopped. <laughs> it stopped within touching distance of me. So I thought, okay, well this could have been done better. And then everything was working, but I think there's a problem with my hearing. There was something wrong with my ears. I couldn't hear right because I would have sworn I heard Al laughing and cracking up coming down the hill. <laughs> and I know he wouldn't have been laughing. So something had to have gone wrong with my hearing at that point. So we're coming down the hill. Oh, I pointed over here. And I learned a few basic truths that day. Not the truth, a truths. I learned that there is a difference between snow and ice. I don't know who did it, but someone replaced the snow on the hill with ice in that chute. On my way up, it was snow. But remember the roof, the, the signs with the roof coming off? I wasn't paying attention to the signs. Snow and ice look a lot the same. They're both white, they're both cold, they both come out of the sky. Snow and ice look the same. But trust me, they aren't the same. Snow and ice are very different. On snow, I got to paddle down the hill. On ice, I go shooting out of control. Snow and ice are different. The laws of gravity are immutable. They don't, they don't change. There are consequences to breaking those laws, even if you don't believe them. There's consequences of breaking the law of gravity, even if you don't agree with them. There's consequences for breaking those laws, even if you don't like them. There's consequences for breaking those laws even if you ignore them. There's consequences for breaking those laws even if you choose otherwise. And there are consequences for breaking those laws even if you identify as a snowman. I could believe all I want that I'm Frosty the Snowman. You ever seen Frosty on TV? He's, he's the best belly womper in the world. And he goes flying down the snow. I could fully believe I'm Frosty the Snowman. I'm gonna get to the bottom and meet a talking bunny. But it's not gonna happen. As much as I believe it, as much as I want it to be true, it's not true. Certain things, the laws of gravity are immutable, and snow is different than ice. So, oh, I gotta go backwards there. Tim told me not to show these next slides, but Tim's not here. So, <laughs> if you are pregnant or nursing, you might wanna look away. If you are under 40 inches tall and you can't make the headliner thing, you might wanna look away. If you have small children, you might want to cover their eyes. If you like blood and guts and stuff, this is kind of cool. So there are consequences to breaking the laws of gravity, and I experienced a few of them. Al comes down the hill laughing, and he goes, oh, your juice bottle broke open because I carry these electrolytes with me. And he goes, oh yeah, there's red stuff all over. Well, that my juice bottle was fine. 
that red stuff was blood coming out of me. So there's my arms. There's the hill. Al came and brought all my stuff back down to me. My ears kind of got better because he wasn't laughing. So there's my arm. There are consequences to breaking the laws of gravity. There's my leg. So that's me in the emergency room, or not in the walking clinic. So after we left the hill, or, or so I went to the ranger station, said, hey, do you have anything to clean this up with? So I wiped snow all over it, you know, because I'm tough. And then they gave me these ace bandages, and I wrapped them all around it, and I'm tough. So then we head down and had lunch, because I'm not passing up lunch just because I'm bleeding all over the place. <laughs> so we stopped, had a really nice lunch. I go to the clinic. And one of the other immutable laws are, as this blood dries, the thing you're wrapping on is stuck on you. So now they can't get the stuff off. So I spent the next long time there with my arms and legs sitting in stuff to try to loosen it up. But the good news is I went home and I looked all, all I had a little green and blue thing and I looked cool after that. So the truth. So that was a truth. This is the truth now. The truth is that God's laws are immutable. They don't change. There are consequences to breaking God's laws, even if you don't believe in them. Have you ever talked to someone that doesn't believe in God's laws? Even if you don't agree with them, even if you don't like them, even if you choose to ignore them, even if you choose otherwise, even if you identify as a snow person, you can identify as anything that you want to. God doesn't care. God sees you as he sees you. God is the truth. God created you. God sees you as one side or the other. God sees you as saved or unsaved. God sees you as forgiven or unforgiven. God sees you as your name is in the book, your name is not in the book. You can identify as anything you want to, but God doesn't care. And there are consequences to breaking the laws of God. Okay, so I am pretty much out of time. So I'm going to go through the outline just so you can see it. And then next week, I'm going to take this outline. I'm going to go over it point by point. So next week, you might want to show up next week. But here's, here's how the rest of this would have looked. We have the truth. You have to take me to shore. According to the code of the order of the reference. your return to shore was not part of our negotiations nor our agreement. So I must do nothing. And secondly, you must be a pirate for the pirate's code to apply. And you're not. And thirdly, the code is more what you'd call guidelines than actual rules. So the world has taken our code. The world's taken the Bible. The word has taken the word of God and said, no, these aren't really rules. These are guidelines. Yeah, maybe there is a heaven, but there's not just one way to get there. You don't have to use Jesus. There's lots of ways to get there. God has said that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No, that's not true. So the world has taken our book, the world has taken the, the living word of God and changed it from being rules to being guidelines. That was the start of, the, of the, the fall of the earth. Do you remember the first lie? Remember back in the Garden of Eden? God said, don't do this. And the serpent said, did God really say that? Our history, our entire human history is based on that, that one lie, and we've been living through a lie ever since. Ah. So I was going to talk about the history of the world from the, the start of the world to the end of the world and everything in between in 30 minutes. So I, I'll, <laughs> I'll try not to do that. But the truth is, the world had a birthday. The world had a start, Genesis 1-1, and the world has an expiration date. It's going to end. Revelation says a new heaven, new earth are coming. That's not a myth. That's not a, a, a guessing game. That's the truth, the truth. 
world doesn't want to believe that. The smart guys in the world tell you that, no, we can, we can get better, we're going to get better. Um, let me read this quote to you because this is going to make you laugh or make you sick. The, the, the world has evolved and, and people are going to get better and better. If we just have the right candidate in office, things will get better. If we have the right laws, then racism will stop. If we have the right things in place, then uh, it's just stupid. It's, it's sheer stupidity. If we've been on the world, like the smart guys say, for a million years, we should have evolved past all the sinfulness in the world, shouldn't we? If we've had so long as a society to live, we shouldn't still be hating each other. We shouldn't still be fearing each other. We shouldn't still be greed-based. There shouldn't be world hunger. There shouldn't be all the stuff that exists. Somewhere along this line of evolution, they've missed it. There had to be a point of de-evolution. We're going backwards. Well, my Bible tells me what it was. There was the fall of man. There was that time in the garden. So from the beginning, God had it just right. We chose to walk away from God. Now we're having the consequences. To me, it makes perfect sense. To the world, though, it doesn't. We're, we're supposedly getting better and better. And here's what the world says about what I believe. Religion is a psychological, mythological construct that provides hope and explanations relied upon by those unable to otherwise accept or rationalize things and events that they can't explain or understand. Sadly, it is also the means by which dominant and even deviant personalities impose their ways of thinking upon the masses. Religion is responsible for most of the world's problems, and it's a giant ball and chain around the ankle of humanity. Unless and until we can move past that, our prospects as a species are limited. Did, did any of that ring true to you guys? Almost every word in that statement from one of the smart guys is the exact opposite of what God says. God, remember we read that, that the world believes in myths? They're saying that, that God is a myth. God says that, that man has fallen and needs to be saved. They're saying, no, it's religion that's making the world bad. So anyway, I don't want to go more than a couple more minutes, so I'll go through this. We had the timeline of the world. Then there's the timeline of your personal life. There's also time for you to be born and time to die. You have an expiration date. Somewhere along your journey, along your walk through the world, you have a choice to make. You can be born again. You can choose not to be born again. If you are born again, you're on a different path. You have a new life. And, and don't worry about how quick I'm going. We'll pick this up next week. You, you're on a new path. You have a new life. And the old life is, is left behind. The problem is, between your new life and your old life, you're constantly under conflict. The old life, the world, the flesh, the devil, are constantly trying to pull you back. They're constantly trying to lie to you, mislead you, and confuse you. It's a war that goes on. A war between the Holy Spirit within you and the world, the flesh, and devil all around you. It's actually a war. The Bible says there's a war going on. The goal of the war for the world, the flesh, and the devil is for you to be conformed to the world. The world doesn't like it when you're the salt, light, and, and you're the word of God. They don't like that mirror held up to them. So they, they um, want you to be conformed to, to their image. God wants you to be transformed and conformed into his image. The saddest thing is between the conflict, there's compromise. And most of us have drawn our lines somewhere in between. The world wants us over here to look like this, to say this, to believe all this baloney. The world wants us to fit in. God wants us to stick out. God said, they hated me, they're gonna hate you. God wants us to stick out, but most of us end up somewhere in the middle. I believe what I believe, I believe enough to get saved, I believe enough to be a Christian, I believe enough to know where I'm going when I die. 
I'm not sure if I believe enough to stick out. I'm not sure if I believe enough to have the world hate me. I'm not sure if I believe enough to sacrifice the finances I make. I'm not sure if I believe enough to speak the gospel to my neighbor because they might think I'm dumb. I don't know how much I believe. Somewhere in between conforming to the world and being transformed in the image of God, somewhere in between is compromise. Most of us fall somewhere in there. So next week we're going to come and talk about that. I know you're all looking forward to that one. Um, and I'm a realtor, you know, I negotiate things all the time, and I wonder sometimes why God wrote this contract so badly. God says, the world is going to hate you, but you have to love them. Oh, really? They're going to hate us, we have to love them. Can't we just strike that one out? Somewhere in between here is the compromise that, that each one of us on an individual level has to decide where we're going to live, where we're going to think God's called us to. Almost done. You can't defeat me. You, you're just a big, fat panda. I'm not a big, fat panda. I'm the big, fat panda. And that's where I want us to end up. I'm the big fat panda. We don't just believe in a truth. We believe in the truth. We don't just serve a God. We serve the God. A lot of how we live is wrapped up in our identity. How you see yourself going through this world makes a huge difference in how you live. If you see yourself as a child of the God, I'm not just a big fat panda, I'm the big fat panda. If you see yourself as a child of God, you will live differently. You'll think differently. You'll act differently. You will be a different person. You will be transformed if you see yourself as the big fat panda, not a big fat panda. So to end this, I'm going to come back next week and talk about how we as Christians should live. What's our response to all this? But to end today, if you are here in the room or listening somewhere else, if you haven't made that decision yet, if you have not given your life to Christ, if you have not substituted the lies for the truth, if you're living in a world that makes you anxious, depressed, fearful, if you've got all that on you, you want a different way, if you want to see if Jesus is really real, then stay here. You can come talk to me. Um, any of our elders here, stand up real quick. Any of our home group leaders, stand up real quick. If you are in this room today and you want to talk to somebody about about giving up the world's ways and, and becoming, becoming like Christ. You want to learn how to be saved. God only sees you as two ways, either saved or not saved. Talk to any of these people that just stood up. They'll be glad to talk to you. Um, okay, so I'm two minutes over, so we'll end here. Let's go ahead and pray. And then I look forward to seeing you guys next week and kind of giving you some answers to all this. Lord, thank you that you are the truth. God, thank you that there even is, is the truth and we don't have to try to figure it out. God, I pray for everyone in this room now that you will help us to understand how you want us to live, how you want us to walk, what compromises you don't want us to make. God, help us with all this. Holy Spirit, I know that you're in us. I know that you're with us. I know that you're, you're here to be our teacher and our helper. So we ask you, help us with all this. Help us to get through this as, as the light of the world, the salt of the earth, the way that you intended it to be, not the way the world wants it to be. Amen.